This is an ABC podcast. My name is Melissa Roy and I'm 50 years of age and I'm from the beautiful island of Fiji. It was back in 2012. I felt a lump on my right breast. So I decided to visit the hospital. And from there, they told me that I had cancer. I bet you know someone who has had breast cancer. It's just too common. Your best chance of survival from breast cancer is with an early diagnosis so that you can receive life-saving treatment to have it removed. But in the Pacific, so many women wait until it's too late. I was so scared because at the back of my mind, we always believe that cancer kills. And I was thinking of my children. They were still young at that time. So... I couldn't accept it for them to, for me to have an operation, eh? And I turned away from the doctor and I decided to go for herbal treatment and some other options which I believe it might help. Drinking like green juice and uh, change my diet like I went on vegetarian. And I was like eating lots of green leaf vegetables, no meat no dairy foods, and I was like mostly on herbal medicines. eh? I was taking that for that five solid years. But you must have been in so much pain, were you? Uh, Not really. Within those five years, I don't have like much pain. eh? Mm -hmm. It's only when it's during cold times that I'm beginning to feel those kind of tingy feelings. But on the fifth year, then it busted. So wow. when the thing busted, yeah, so that's the time I went back to the hospital. When you said it burst, can you explain what you mean and what happened? It's like a boil, eh? And like, like it burst and it started opening. It started opening up until it's like it's half gone and it's half stayed. Wow. Stayed, eh? Yeah, it was half of my breast was stayed and half of it's gone. Then I'm beginning to feel the, the pain. And when the time it was unbearable, and this time I decided to revisit the hospital. So when I went to the hospital, it was, I was on stage four. Wow. That's pretty yeah. late, isn't it? Yes, it is. It was, it was, it was like, you know, the doctors told me that, no, they couldn't do much about it because uh, it was a little bit too late, yeah? So 2017, I had the operation and I was so happy and I was so blessed that the doctors and nurses were on their knees and on their toes to give whatever they could help me. So I went on chemo for, I had four cycles of chemo before operation. And I had another four cycles after operation. So from then till today, it's after five years now from the time I had the surgery till today. We know that breast cancer mostly affects women, although men can also get it. But did you know that you don't have to be over 60 to be at risk? In Papua New Guinea, for example, the majority of women with breast cancer are between 45 and 55, 
and almost 84% are aged under 55. And more than half of women diagnosed are under 45. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about reducing breast cancer deaths in the Pacific. To begin, let's get a better understanding of why so many women in the Pacific who have breast cancer don't catch it early enough. Melinda Chen adds up the Cancer Society in Fiji. She says accessibility is one of the biggest challenges for early detection in her country. Currently, the services are being offered at the three major hospitals, but once the services are being decentralized, then they'll be a little bit better. And I think it's just the idea of having the people coming to you instead of taking the service out to them because of the uh, geographical location. They're challenged by that. They're challenged by finance. They may not have the means to bring themselves to the hospital so that when they do find that they do have a lump in their breasts, the option that's only available to them wherever they are is just traditional or herbal. How does language create additional challenges? Yeah, the language as well is the other one. We have to go hard on education. There's poor health literacy here and people are not are not fully aware of what they should be doing. Language itself is a barrier, which then generates stigma because everyone seems to point their finger to just about, you know, everything and then re- remind you of your family's history and that's why you've got this There's a whole lot of factors that contribute to people not presenting themselves to the hospital or to the public health system for treatment. And the hospital is one as well, the services being offered. So here in in Fiji, you know, the hospital is looked at as the Valinimate. And so people fear that if they come, they may go back in a coffin. The other thing, just looking at ethnicity, health-seeking behaviours is really low amongst the Itoke as opposed to the Indo-Fijians. So education, for me, I feel would help that, but it's got to be something that we look at starting from a very early age. How do you navigate those challenges that you face? We have an outreach team that actually goes out to these communities out in the interior or to the periphery. So it's either we do that or we have a, you know, just a health camp nearby. So we go to where we see where the need is great, but they're also challenged in terms of accessibility to the nearest health center. And, you know, going into those settlements, definitely there is some financial impact as to what restricting them from coming to seek medical intervention. Why is breast cancer still a taboo topic in Fiji? With breast cancer, it's something that as a woman, you can see what's happening, the changes in your breast. So you stand in front of the mirror and you're aware of the changes that you're currently going through. There's a lot of factors that contribute to it being double. The first thing you think, you know, it's shame. You know, there's a whole lot of consultation that needs to happen just within the family itself. So again, it comes down to lack of understanding, you know, the education bit that needs to be propped up. So people will know exactly that could be breast cancer because it's not a confirmed diagnosis. I need to take myself to the hospital. However, more importantly is that we don't talk about our health. As a woman, we don't make ourselves a priority. We're always pushed ourselves behind and we make our children, our husbands, our obligations to the church, to the land, you know, to everything else 
more important than us. So we need to change the mindset. Like I said, it's a whole lot of factors that contribute to this. So not only in education, we need to make sure that people change the way they think, improve their health seeking behaviors, improve their diet. So everything, and I'm sure the same problem that we have here in Fiji is the same in the other regional islands. But you know, that trickles down to all the other problems that we experience when we refuse to seek early intervention or medical treatment. We also have women who say, oh, I need to talk to my husband about it. Or my husband is working on the boat. So when he comes back, how long will that be? That's probably another two, three, four months. If the husband has passed on, I got to wait for my son to make the decision. No, you know, the times have changed. We need to take ownership. As a woman, we have to take ownership of ourselves. We need to love, I guess the point I'm trying to make is we need to learn to love ourselves first. We need to learn to put ourselves ahead of everyone because when we don't, everything else, it won't crumble. If anything happens to you, definitely another woman is going to come and take your place. Belinda says another problem she sees for families when a woman is diagnosed is that her husband doesn't offer enough support or worse, he leaves her. We've seen over the years, and I have seen with my own eyes, and I have been involved where I see husbands leave their wives. They just hear, my wife has breast cancer, and that's it. They run. I've never seen them run so fast. During the course of their journey with breast cancer, you don't hear anything. But when they hear that their ex-spouse or their spouse is on their deathbed, then they return. They return because they know that she may have access to her superannuation fund. They want to access that. The wife needs closure. She's happy to have him there because she's ready to go. There's no talk about what's going to happen to the children. You know, there's nothing planned ahead. She may have all these things she wanted, but He just turns up on that day and says, I'm here, I come, ask for forgiveness and all that, that goes with it. It's completely wrong. There has to be some kind of, yeah, it's wrong at all levels. There has to be something that needs to be done to ensure that the children are taken care of. So we have family members of the woman come in, step up to take care of the children. And we've seen it, we've seen it time and time again. We've heard wives, you know, the women come and tell us, oh, he just thinks I'm not pretty enough. I've lost my hair. I've got no hair. I've got one breast gone. They're going through something really difficult. They need the support. And I guess as a woman, as a married woman, you want your husband to be with you. Unfortunately for some, it's not that way. So her chances of surviving is minimal compared to those that have that support. Belinda says education is key to getting women to seek a diagnosis. And we need to get comfortable talking about our bodies. There's no more taboo about breasts. We need to, and I guess it's an island thing, we don't talk about these things to our children. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about the biological aspects of a woman or of a man. We don't There's no birds and the bees kind of story that we share with our children. But we have to do that. It's something that we all need to do here in the islands. We have to teach teach our sons. We have to teach our daughters not to run away from their responsibilities. True. Great advice. And in Fiji, where can women go for treatment? We have treatment available at the three divisional hospitals. So these 
The treatment for breast cancer is through surgery and chemotherapy. Through the Cancer Society, we're able to provide transportation to ensure the client is able to come to the hospital to get treated, to have surgery, to have chemo. So the support services that we offer complement that of what's being offered at the hospital. We found that women come, get diagnosed, and then run away. Then they return because they can no longer bear the pain. And so that's where we thought, you know, the introduction of transportation, no matter where they live, you know, either they come by boat, they take the bus, or we provide taxi services, it's there for them to access. You mentioned women run away. Is it because they don't trust Western medicine? They don't trust Western medicine. And sometimes the information that's given to them is not clear. As islanders, we listen to what the doctors say to us. We don't question. Times have moved on from there. We need to start questioning. We need to ensure that we understand. But then again, the doctors may speak in a language that is too technical for us. So, mm. you know, it's always good to take someone with you. Uh, we try and encourage the doctors to tone down the language and bring it to their level so they understand. It's it's sad because they run away and then they come back when it's they late. can no longer bear the pain. The family can't bear the stench. I, I guess it's just disheartening to know that they've been given this opportunity and they don't take it back. What are their biggest concerns when it comes to treatment? Shortage of drugs. Sometimes there are shortage of chemotherapy drugs, but that's from a clinical side. The other side is the inability to look like a complete woman because they've got one breast. Loss of hair, for which we tell them that the hair will regrow. We have, you know, turbans and wigs and scarves that we can offer. If the breast is removed, doesn't necessarily mean they're 99.9% woman. They're still a woman. We have prosthetic breasts and mastectomy bras to help them have that balanced look. So, you know, we have some of the Indo-Fijian ladies. They want to wear sari because it's the traditional dress, but they can't because their breasts are uneven. And so as soon as they're fitted with a bra and a prosthetic breast, you know, they feel whole. The self-esteem improves. and Yeah. So, you know, these are the little things that make a difference mm. in a woman. So it's something we need to capitalize on and improve. What are your views on some of the traditional or herbal treatments that women use? Okay, so there's a whole lot of people doing mixing branches and barks and leaves and roots. These people have claimed to have cured cancer. We'd like to see some research in this space. However, for the difficult patients that refuse to do the Western medicine, we encourage them to continue with the herbal. But please, you can come to the hospital and be seen, take the medication, you can actually do both. And then so what may work for some may not work for the other. And how has the attitude changed towards detection and treatment in the past few years? October is our big month here in Fiji and everyone knows it's breast cancer and everyone eats lots of cakes and cupcakes and anything sweet. Breast awareness is not only for the month of October, it's got to be for the whole year. Very proud that people are talking about it more for that month, 1st of November, everyone's zipped. <laughs> the cancer talk for the year is over. But it should be ongoing. It has to be ongoing. Great advice from Fiji Cancer Society. This is Belinda Chen. Don't wait for Breast Cancer Month to think about breast cancer. Talk to your family about it today. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. 
One way to detect breast cancer early is through self-examination. About once a month, when you're in the shower or bath, or at night before you fall asleep, make a habit of touching your breasts to feel for anything that shouldn't be there. There are some great resources online that will teach you how to examine your own breasts and what to look for. Or you can ask the nurses at your local clinic or aid post. I know it sounds embarrassing, but self-examination has saved so many women from a late diagnosis, including Dolores Davisi, a Solomon Islands woman who now lives in New Zealand. I was diagnosed in 2014 when I discovered a lump while I was having a shower. And luckily, I was then able to be referred to have a mammogram, an ultrasound scan, and then a biopsy. But luckily enough, I was here in Auckland, New Zealand. So I discovered the lump in February. And by Easter that year, that was when I was told that I had breast cancer. Oh, wow. What is your initial reaction to this diagnosis? I was 40 years, around 40 years old at that time. I didn't expect it at all. I knew that a lump was something for concern, but I think if it wasn't for a friend who actually encouraged me to have it looked at, I think I would have left it. You know how our lives get busy. When I went in for the mammogram, I saw a lot of old women who were also there for their mammogram. And at that time, I thought, oh, yeah, no, it's probably just a benign lump because that's also what my GP and the nurse that I initially went for my consultation told me. So I went in with that on my mind. It wasn't until I had completed my mammogram when they came and said to me, we want to refer you to have an ultrasound scan. And while I was doing the ultrasound scan, the lady who was doing it then said, I want to bring in my supervisor because I think there is some concern. And then straight after that, they said, look, we're putting you straight through to do a biopsy done. And it was a surgeon at that time as well who said to me, when you come next time, bring a support person with you. Because from my experience, the results may not be positive. Within two weeks, the results were ready when we sat down and he said, "Uh, look, we've found cancerous cells in the lump and therefore the next best action now was is to get rid of the lump and then that will determine whether you need radiation therapy or chemotherapy. I came home thinking that I was going to die, even though they said that it was in the very early stage. I think just the thought of leaving children behind, leaving family behind in a foreign land, I think that was quite overwhelming to go through in the two weeks in between the biopsy and waiting for results were the longest two weeks ever. Wow. After that, what treatment did you go through? Mm, They removed the lump and then they called me for my review after they removed the lump and they said, look, we've discovered that between your biopsy, when you had your biopsy and having this lump removed, the lump had grown another three centimeters because you do have very aggressive a strain of breast cancer cells. And therefore the best action would be to undergo chemotherapy. And all I've heard of chemo was, you know, people losing their hair, a lot of nausea, not being able to cope with chemo. So when I was told that, I think that was the first time I actually broke down and cried. I did six rounds of chemo on a 21 day cycle, which meant that I was also working at that time and I had to, I had no choice. I was the main breadwinner for my family here in New Zealand at that time. And so I would work for two weeks. And on the Friday of the second week, I would take the afternoon off, have my chemo. 
and I would be bedridden for the whole week after that. You know, just recovering. I would have to force myself up towards the end of that week just to come outside and breathe some fresh air. My spouse would take me to the park, take me for a drive. I was living on juices just so that I could go back to work the following week. After that, I was put on another treatment for another six months just to get the hormonal balance correct. And then I was referred to do a mastectomy. There was uh, advice that was the other best, safest option in case the chemo or the breast cancer would come back and therefore, you know, to minimize that risk was to have, have the whole breast removed. I, I was then referred to do breast reconstruction. So they had removed, I guess, tissues from my tummy to then replace my old breast with that. So I think looking back, I count myself as one of the very lucky ones where, you know, I was in a place with a very strong health system where they were able to just aggressively pay attention to what was before us and then be able to, you know, be looked after really well and then be able to have free. It's government funded here in New Zealand. So I was very lucky in that sense. And how are you now? I've been in remission for the last four years. And that's one thing that I encourage women who reach out to me as well is about early detection. Most women discover lumps, but don't actually move forward in terms of getting help for it and getting it looked into. And that's something that the oncology team in the Solomons in Honiara at the National Referral Hospital have said is that according to their data, most women come forward when they're in the very late stage. And so even though if they put them through chemo, in most cases, there's nothing else that can be done from that. Now that Dolores is in remission, she gives back by offering support to other women who either have breast cancer or are worried about it. There are no questions asked. Uh, our role there is to just support and make sure that women know where to go, as well as just being there for them and being able to, if they're too scared to go or they don't have anyone there to go, that we are there with them to take them to the health facilities. And I call us guardian angels because, you know, sometimes people are just, they don't know where to go or they're just a bit too scared. And it just takes one person to say, look, I'm happy to go along with you or, you know, this is the information that's out there. I think as long as there's more of us out there talking about this issue and advocating for more support for women dealing with breast cancer, I think we're heading in the right direction. That's Dolores Davisi, who started a women's breast cancer support group in Solomon Islands after her own diagnosis and successful treatment. Breast cancer screening equipment is vital for getting that all-important early diagnosis. But in the Pacific, we know that it can be hard to get to a hospital, and when you do, they don't always have the services you need. Ruth Pape was a radiographer in PNG, and carrying out mammograms made her want to learn more and do more for people seeking early detection. Now she's doing a PhD at Charles Stewart University in Australia, and she has this very important goal for her home country. I want a breast screen set up for the country because breast screening is very important. That's my aim and that's my drive to see that Papua New Guinea must and should have a breast screen program for our women going forward. Because at this stage, um, we have a high incidence of breast cancer and 
it's affecting a lot of women. I'm also happy to say that we have mammograms in the hospitals and they're doing their bit also to help our women. But the problem is that not all the women in the country, especially in rural areas, are accessing these. So that's the focus of my PhD now. So I'm hoping that there should be a program set up. And especially to have that, we should start first with regional hospitals. So set up mammograms in regional hospitals and then maybe through some collaboration with the government or private, we can hope to set up a breast screen program, nationwide program, and that will help our women folk throughout the country and especially the young girls as well. What are some misconceptions about breast cancer in Papua New Guinea? From my experience, the biggest one is it's to do with culture, cultural barriers, and a lack of awareness. When I'm saying culture, I mean either when they have a lump or if there's something in their breast. The other thing, too, because of lack of awareness, they think that it's something to do with local sanguma or something like that with the culture. And so that's one of the biggest things that women face and women think. There's a some misconception. And lack of awareness is a big problem. And also I think the husbands or brothers, they should be aware of this as well. They should understand what breast cancer is so that they can be able to support their women and girls and even aunties if they see that they have these problems. I saw a statement talking about the age uh, that it's for older women and not the younger women. Can you just clarify at what age a woman can get breast cancer? There is no specific age. Breast cancer does not discriminate between age or gender. And the fact is that males also do get breast cancer. As women get older, then they're prone to the incidence of cancer increases. That's why we recommend women of 40 and above to get themselves screened for mammogram. But that doesn't mean that women who are below the age of 40 are healthy or they won't be able to get breast cancer. So there are some risk factors that people need to be aware of. So if you have a strong family of breast cancer, for example, if you have a mother or auntie or sister, someone who had breast cancer, then you are at the high risk, which means you have to get yourself checked or maybe do some breast self-examination. Or if you have access to mammography, then you have to go for screening as well. With what you have seen from women coming to your clinics and your years of experience dealing with this, what's your advice to women? My advice to women is that breast cancer is real. Globally, Women are dying, families are affected, loved ones are gone, and it's a big global health issue at the moment. So my advice is for women to check themselves annually, do a breast self-examination. If you don't know how to do that, maybe go to a nearest health center or talk to someone who knows about this. Check your own breast always, and if you find any suspicious thing, a lump or anything, then get yourself to the nearest health center. And the other thing is awareness is very important. So get to know more about breast cancer and risk factor is another one. So if you think that, you know, your family or anyone has a history of breast cancer, then you need to get yourself checked. So that's important for women to know. Ruth Pape is a PhD student who is researching ways to improve mammography services for women in Papua New Guinea. Thanks to all my guests today. Ruth and Belinda Chen, and Dolores Davisi and Mele Koroi, who I am so glad lived to tell others about their experience with breast cancer.
If you have learned just one thing from this episode, I hope it's that talking about taboo topics like cancer and women's bodies can improve our lives in so many ways. Whether that's knowing how to look for lumps or knowing how to support someone else who has cancer. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of this show, catch up on our podcast. You can listen on the ABC Pacific website or on your favorite podcast app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Pacific Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, so many women in the Pacific grow their own food for their families or to sell at markets. We're going to meet some women who are expanding their skills in agriculture to build national and international companies and create jobs for other women in the industry. When we have whole hands on deck with a common goal and interest to help women farmers and create market access for women in the country, we can be able to do it. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented and produced by me, Hilda Wayne. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunsner. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol you next time.